Welcome to Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak, where we explore the tools and tactics that drive improvement. If you're hungry for more and better, if you want to move past hype and discuss how, you're in the right place. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine. Today, I've got a return guest. We had a phenomenal conversation, and we didn't get to finish last time. So I brought him back to kind of get more into the tactical side of things. Last time, we got kind of into the the philosophy and conceptual, and it was powerful. Well, it's Jeff Knapp. Um, Jeff Knapp, he is the owner of Deepwaters Coaching. He helps Christian men rediscover hope and purpose after trauma, addiction, or loss, so they can overcome shame and reclaim their true identity. Man, he's, he's done a ton of things. He's a writer, a speaker, a coach. Man, he helps others turn their suffering into a superpower. If you have not listened to the last episode, go back and check out Jeff's episode with me. It was phenomenal. Um, And you can find him all over the places on various stages, from uh, churches to schools to businesses. Um, And he lives with his wife here in the Atlanta area with me as well, specifically Peachtree Corners, Georgia, and they've got two awesome kids. You can check out more about Jeff, and you'll hear more of the details at the end on how to find him online. But welcome to another deep dive with my dear friend and man of powerful impact, Jeff Knapp. Jeff, it is awesome. Thanks for coming back, man. Um, My pleasure. Super fun talking with you as always. It's fun. We got to hang out last night um, and get together an event here in the Atlanta area. But man, I double whammy, right? We were just saying this getting ready, like two, two in two days. This is a good week for me, man. Yeah, it's fire. It's definitely fire for me too, brother. Sweet. All right. So last time, man, we got into some rich stuff about... But well, one of the phrases that keeps sticking out to me is like own your own story, right? Like it's not, um, this stuff, you said it, it didn't happen to me. It happened for me. And so, and like, how does this become one of the ways I show up in the world that is a, is a superpower and my strength and my gift? Like there's a whole process of realizing that owning that heart wise, getting to that place where you're ready for that. Let, let's assume that we've done that work, which, uh, might take more than the, the few weeks we've had since we last talked, right? But let, let's assume sure. people are in that process and they're like, I'm ready to start doing something with this. I want to be the storyteller you talked about. How? How do we storytell, man? Well, that's that's a great question. And I think we did give a really good backdrop to some of the why and the underpinnings of good storytellers. And I think it's so important that if somebody's listening to this and they didn't listen to the last one, that they go there first. Yeah, Um, That's going to be really, really key because I think a lot of people want to be a storyteller and they want to bypass that because it's, it takes a while. It's inconvenient. It causes me to feel vulnerable, but every great storyteller becomes a great storyteller because of how they connect the story to the audience Ooh, and okay. vulnerability okay. Say that again. That's important. Cause we, yeah. we think about story. I think about storytelling who knows, maybe everyone else does. Right. When I think communication skills and all that, I keep thinking it's more about picking the right word or having the right tone of voice. But, but like this, this fundamental shift, say that again, it's, it's a great storyteller connects to what now here. It, well, they can, they connect the story to their audience. It, it's, it, it's, I've heard, tell, and I've said this to other people who I've helped become better speakers. I've said the best talk, the best story, the best lesson is the one that first captured you. 
You, you, so if it didn't get you, if it didn't move you, it probably won't move them first. Second of all, just because it moved you doesn't guarantee it's going to move them. That's fair. That's fair. Right? That's fair. There's movies that you've liked that other people didn't. I know. I know. And you could have said, best movie I've ever seen. You got to go see it. They come out of the theater and they're like, I don't know what the fuss is about. Oh, you I didn't like which, it. Which is The Matrix, clearly the best right. movie ever. Uh, <laughs> my wife does not agree, right? Like she's, right. Uh, she's going to be more like um, I've Got Mail or Sleepless in Seattle. Like she's a old school rom coms are her favorite. And sure. she's like, I mean, I saw The Matrix. They flipped around and there were some sort of computers and fighting. And I'm like, don't you get it? Anyway, sorry. Rant over. Yes, yes. She's just got a different life story. So, so being a geek who says I know kung fu, I had like a like ripple of goosebumps, like holy crap. And my wife was like, that was weird. Uh, anyway, so yeah. Right. Right. Well, and 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 so so much of storytelling is knowing who is in the audience and is it one person? Is it a lot of people? How do I speak to this group? And so I've told everybody and I've instructed this myself and my mentors told me this, you first got to start with who is the message for Mm. why should they care Mm. and what of value am I extrapolating in and, and showing it in a skillful way? Because anybody, like one of the things I can do all day long is I could entertain a room for as long as I wanted to. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's just, that's sort of been me since I was like five. I literally was the kid that my mother would apologize to the people in advance (laughs) that I sat by on the plane. She would preemptively apologize that I would talk their head off. And that's just been a natural gift to do that. But storytelling and communicating really has more than just an entertainment quality. That's You've true. done it well when they can go tell the story you told them. Okay. That I was going to say that's deep, but like, how do you know you already answered it? So say that last part again, when you've done it well, they can go tell the story you told them, but in their own words. And this yeah, is why yeah. I think word pictures are the key best way. And it's why if you go look at most marketing and advertising, mm. even Look at the billboard world and we'll teach you a lot about storytelling. Hmm. And, and, and honestly, for all of us, we better take some cues from them and TikTok reels and stuff like that because everybody's attention is getting shorter. Yeah. And so if your attention is shorter, it's kind of like driving 60 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, depending on how you drive down the highway, you <laughs> yeah, get a blink Atlanta. of that billboard. Yes. You know what on that billboard captured you? And if you know what you're doing from a marketing perspective or a communication perspective, you are targeting that towards a specific audience type, Mm. towards a specific customer or client or friend. When I write a post on any Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, I am thinking of a person. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to just be heard or just be seen. I'm thinking of, who is the person this is for? Because I want to be intentional and careful. And I mean, full of care, not cautious, full of care for the audience member. That's so good. And I I confess, I I'm thinking about the last online post I wrote. I think I, I wrote it to a crowd rather than to a person. And I can just see this two or three spots where I probably would have made more specific statements or, 
or maybe honestly one one you know, it's like a little three paragraph thing i probably would have cut one of the spots because that was a part where i was like well and if this is you then this might and this is you and, it, and it's not to say that there can't be multiple examples given but but yeah I, there's a difference between a uh, story two and four somebody versus like i'm gonna shotgun a bunch of ideas and hope somebody in the crowd likes them um well and let's be clear if if i'm think about it with your kids think about it with employees if you're gonna go have a conversation say on a performance review yeah yeah you wouldn't go record those same comments and go play it or or, or have a robot say the same things to the next performance review yeah yeah they're different audiences that's right. However, sometimes you have all of them in a room and the way that you capture that moment is you, you acknowledge your audience is different, but you still speak to them individually. So for example, a post online, I, I write it possibly to a group, but I know that group and I personify that group in my mind as one person to begin with mm. so that it's more intimate and in the way that I think about caring for them. But then let's say I'm writing to a group of dads, but some of them have suffered with a traumatic injury. Some of them are struggling with addiction. Some of them lost their voice because of some moment of rejection or performance anxiety. Those are very different people. They might have some cooperative issues, but I can write it to dads and think specifically about a dad. Yes. But then when I begin to write this other portion of it, I, I can say, and if you felt like this, then I see you. If some days it just feels like this, yeah, I'm your guy or right. whatever. Or That's the level of uh, specificity I was talking about earlier, when it's like you can really lean in and name and call out things because you you know what they're going through or you you're communicating to them. That's really powerful. Okay, so I want to go back though because you also dropped something about word pictures. Yeah. The power of using word pictures. So can you give me some examples? I mean, let's get, let's get specific. When you talk about your story, what are some of the, the metaphors, analogies, visual pictures? Like what does a word picture look like when you're talking to people? And so give us something tactical. Well, I'll give you two things tactical about word pictures. First one is make sure the word picture is something they can picture. <laughs> okay. Yes. Just because okay. you like your word picture doesn't mean it's good for your audience. Going That's back fair. to that key, key principle. It's yeah. really, really important. So if you're speaking to say teenagers, you don't talk about the world, you know, before Y2K. Yeah. Yeah. They can't picture those things you're talking about, right. right? You, you put a rotary phone in front of a kid and they don't even know what button to push or what they do. I've seen right? some really funny YouTube videos of that yeah. trying to figure out how to dial a number. It's good right. Stuff. And so you've got to use word pictures that they'll understand. So I, I think oftentimes a great example of this is look at biblical, uh, biblical storylines. Hmm. How often did they talk about, they didn't talk about architects and engineers that often, but they talked about farming a lot. They talked yeah. about shepherding a lot. They talked about tax collectors and they talked about dirty feet and they talked about getting water from the well, things that the audience would really truly relate to. And so, for example, if I'm when I speak to a group of high school students, mm -hmm. so I regularly talk in high schools, I give yeah. hundreds of talks in high schools a year. When I go speak to a room of high school students, one of the first things I do before I even get into word pictures is I want to acknowledge that they that I have to earn the right for them to care or listen. Mm -hmm. 
then when I finally get into word pictures, I will show that I'm real about that by how intentionally I've crafted my word picture to them. Hmm. If I start talking about myself and I start talking about things I understand and I don't on a deep level connect my stories to their age, stage, interests, challenges, and pain points, yeah. they're going to go, you don't know me. You just said that because it felt good to say that. <laughs> but throughout a story, throughout a talk, throughout a presentation, you are constantly having to earn the right to be first heard and then to keep listening. Yeah. And that is the best way to do that is trust, not entertainment. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. I want you to hear me say it's not simply um, go on YouTube and watch really funny things. What's most often important is you try to put yourself in their position. Mm -hmm. It's the same story across the map in relationship building, networking, building businesses, sales, conversions, dating. They all have the first same root thing. Yeah. Care more about them than you care about yourself. For that moment, care more, be so focused yeah. on, I care about you. Yeah. It's I'm not focused on you caring about me right now. This resonates deeply. Um, I, um, so I've done a lot of speaking as well. Right. And, and one of the common questions about how do you get over the stage fright, right? It's uh, you've probably heard this before, but they've done a bunch of surveys and the number one fear of most people in America is public speaking. Uh, interestingly, yeah. number two is death, right? They literally right. are more afraid of, of getting up and speaking to a group than they are of dying. And so like, why and how do you get over that and all that process? And, and there's tactics and tools. And, and some of the answer I always give folks is like, well, part of how you get over stage fright is you just do it enough that eventually you realize you're not going to die. It's going to be fine. Like there's a certain amount of time on task. You just put in some reps and every time it's a little less crazy, but there are a couple of mental shifts and things you can do, be more prepared, blah, blah, blah. But like the single biggest one, let's say you're prepared, you know, your stuff, you're ready. Is this focus on what, what I realize is most of the time, 99.99% of the time, if I'm nervous, it's because I'm worried what I'm going to look like. And I'm trying my goal. Let's be honest. My goal is I want them to like me and I want to look good in front of the crowd. Right. Yes. And when I can say who cares whether I look good or not, I actually care about at least one human in the crowd. And I'm here just, if there's anything I can do to help them, yeah. my whole success measure is not look good. It's to help a human in the crowd, make contact, find somebody you actually want to help and speak to that person. So I think it's what you're saying. And that for me, at least radically changes. I come in nervous. I mean, you still think, right? I mean, I have thousands of talks under my belt at this point in front of crowds, right. you know, big conferences and blah, blah, blah. And, and every now and then, like, especially it's a new big one. I'm like, Oh, I don't know these guys. I really want these guys to like me. I'll still the adrenaline spike in the butterflies. And I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I, I hope they do like me, but if I, it's not why I'm here. I just want to help somebody and I'll look around and I'll be like that guy, that lady, I think I could try to help them. And then suddenly it all fades away and I'm not nervous anymore. So I think there's multiple benefits to the idea of shifting because your, your content gets better. Yeah. I think it's also a much freer experience to be like, I, I legitimately care about helping you. And whether I look fancy or not while I'm doing that is, is a bonus, not core. Uh, there's a lot to that, man. Well, I'll tell you with the, with the, the nonprofit that I've been working with that one of my best friends founded, 
they worked really hard on storytelling and, and I was lucky to be part of that as we were working through messaging of who we are and who we serve and all this stuff and what's core to us. But one of the things that came up as we did, I mean, it was probably a two year mm. messaging workshop, marketing, rebranding yeah, where we yeah. really wanted to get to the essence. And one of the phrases that came up was courageous conversations, create meaningful connections. Okay. Say that again. That's rich. It is rich. So pathways to life says this everywhere all the time now, because we finally realized it's who we are. It's, uh-huh. it's what you can expect to encounter. Yes. We lead vulnerably and that's going to look like courageous conversations mm-hmm. create meaningful connections. Yes. And so whether you're on stage or you're in a boardroom or whatever else, the moment that you show what I talked about in the first podcast, that real version of yourself and you risk a certain level of vulnerability, you now get, you, you connect with people at the dinner we were at last night, a guy named AJ was there. And, and one of the things that we talked about, uh, had to do with how your, how your heart aligns in, in those moments, how you show up. Uh, he had, he had said this phrase that I don't know if I said it on the last podcast, but I think I did this thing about first seek to be interested before trying to be interesting. And and that's really important to begin with, but there's a kindness and a, a leaning in that happens when you bring reality and vulnerability. You see, if you are just impressive, they might look up to you, but that means in some way they feel like you look down on them. Ooh even if it's subconsciously, right? right. Don't put themselves in the same boat as you. Yeah. But when I share some real raw brokenness or challenge or authentic vulnerability, they feel like I'm in the boat with them. Yes. And And now it connects me to my audience, whether it's one or many. That's right. And And that point, other level of connection. Yes. Difference between entertainment and connection, right? Yes. Oh, I see him. And that was you know, interesting, but you want to make the kind of impact that, that I'm interested in. And I think we're talking to, yeah, that level of I'm in the boat with you. We're looking eye to eye at each other. I'll say this, that's rare and powerful. I think a lot of people can go years. I mean, it's a tragedy, but I think they can go years without having a connection moment like that. And so you showing up that way, um, one-on-one or in a crowd, and you really connect with that, that, that subset of the crowd that gets it, dude, it's, it's the kind of thing that'll never forget it. That's powerful. And it's changing the narrative of marketing today as well. So if you, if you really, the the people that are absolutely innovators, quote unquote, cutting edge, Mm -hmm. you know, really building brands and tribes and communities. If you look at what they say, they're pulling back the veil. They're being more transparent. They're talking about the challenges of running their organization or how hard it is to not quit or the the thing that they just had to get over just to get in this meeting. Yeah. They, they bring in these moments that connect people who go, all right, now you're not just a performance artist. You're a person yeah. and you're a person I'd like to get to know. Okay. And I just have to riff on this because strategically, this is huge. We are in a world this flooded, not just okay, but like overloaded with insight and ideas and people and opportunities. And okay, so it used to be the world, right? I recap of everybody who already knows this. So like there were three channels, there were like 10 radio <laughs> stations. I mean, right. So how, how did you get the news? Well, you could pick between ABC, CBS. I mean, I'm like, this is it, right? Like there's your options. 
And so we trust was through the channel. The institution had the trust and then they could hire any newscaster they wanted. And we trusted them. It was the six o'clock news. Now there's the, the beautiful part of our world, it, publishing, right? If you wanted to write a book, you and I are both writers. Um, you had to go through the big five publishing houses. Like that's it. Now you can write anything the smack you want in 20 minutes. You have your Amazon page and it's available to the world, right? You want to get now you can use chat GPT or something. Come on. And all the AI. So it'll write it for you. That's right. 20 minutes and you have a book. Forget 20 minutes to set up the web page, right? So, okay. What that creates is the scarce resource now is not content or creators. It's trust. It's who do I trust in this, this, overwhelm of possible options. Who do I trust? And how we pick people we trust is not who looks the shiniest, who has the biggest resume. It's whose story do we connect to? And so like, this is not just a noble thing to do. This is how you, this is what humans are every year more and more desperate for is somebody they can connect to. So I, like, I, I'm just strategically, I'm in the process of thinking about launching this podcast, right? I mean, I'm about six months into this. And so, um, yeah. the whole, like just a new journey for me where I'm like, I kind of need to take my life. You, you and I've been buddies for a long time, but I have not been putting myself out there publicly. Cause I was like, ah, it doesn't matter. And I, you know, people know me and I, I got my, my word of mouth business and everything's great. And, and it was, and it is, but I really feel like like this is one of the ways I'm supposed to, my gifts, my wiring, so I don't have to serve the world. It's like, okay, I'm on this learning journey anyway. I'm already having these kind of conversations with Jeff, right? Like right. maybe we should record a few of them. I mean, because <laughs> legitimately not making this up, like for anyone listening, Jeff and I've had, I don't know, 50 conversations like the kinds we record. And this is what happens when we get together. It does. And so like, dang it, we should like, this is probably useful for more than just me. So I zoom out all that to say, if this is your similar deal for you and you're trying to figure out how do I, how do I show up? How do I connect with people in the world? How do I put myself out there in a way that matters? This is what people are desperate for. Somebody who looks them in the eye, who opens the kimono and says, I see you, you're not alone. Let's do this together, man. I'm like never before, maybe in history, has there been such a desperation for somebody to do this? So, Word picture time. I'll give you yes. a little story. Beautiful. The other day I'm watching a movie with my kids. Avatar. Just so the, so the second one just came out, right? Bananas and, good. And yet I can't take my kids to go see the second one because they haven't seen the first one yet. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. You've, you're 100%. So I decide we're going to watch Avatar, the original. Good. And I'm going to watch it with my kids. And I'm sitting there with my nine-year-old daughter and my 11-year-old son. And at first they're like, what is this? It's weird. But like 30 minutes in, probably 15 minutes in, their mouths are open. They don't speak. They're forgetting to breathe. They're so in the story. They loved it. But why do I bring it up is one specific lane, one thing that happens in that story very sort of early on when you meet these blue, large blue people, Yeah. the, the, the queen sort of mother the tribal female leader, the spiritual leader of that tribe uh, meets one of the stars of the story. And as she comes to her, they interact and there's this word, this phrase they share. And it ends up being a really big part of the story of the movie. Yeah. But 
one of the main characters looks at this, this mother figure and says, I see you. And it was more than my eyeballs see you. It was a statement about my soul, my embodiment, my depth acknowledges, respects, honors, and invites yours. Dude. And so what I told every single person and every audience is if you think you're above them, you've already lost your audience. Yes. If you think that they are absolutely valuable, Mm -hmm. you probably could learn from them too if they traded spots on stages and you care deeply about what they're what they could do if they learned this thing you have to share, you've you've already bought most of your ticket to the audience. That's beautiful. Uh, By the way, no spoilers, but that phrase is a part of one really powerful moment in the second movie. I love it. Well, and and it should be. And and, and to, to me, you know, any good story has only a couple of nuggets, only a couple of good threads. They tell a whole lot of story to yeah. nail these points. Yeah. And that's what I would say, if you're going to communicate and I, I'm going to, I'm going to drop in some tactical really clearly and quickly okay. here. First of all, the one-to-one story, it's way easier to know your audience when you're talking to one person, it's way easier to talk to one person yeah. when there's only one of them. That's fair. However, make sure that when you're talking to that one person, you're not speaking at them as a mirror or a reflector so you can hear your words bounce back. Mm, if you're that. talking to them for affirmation, for approval, or for change, because I'm saying this, that you do something different, yeah, yeah. then I have an agenda with my communication. Yes. So when I begin with an agenda, you will feel it. And it will, people's intrinsic sort of intuition will fire that you're not actually trustworthy. Yes. People aren't that stupid, even if we do stupid things, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, said. We, we have a deep knowing and we'll pick up on when somebody's, most of the time we'll pick up when somebody's manipulating us or they're not really for us. But when you are in the single, the one-to-one environment, the first thing you want to try to do is you want to show up ready to serve them to help them, to see them. And you won't truly see them if they're a total stranger. And so what I would say is in the one-to-one, like let's say I'm going to have an interview for a job I really want. Right, right. I want to, if at all possible, I want to investigate who's this person I'm going to meet with. What's something about them that I can start to put in my brain, not to use as a manipulative tactic, but to better understand who I might be sitting with. Yeah, to see them, right? To see them. Yes. And if I can't get any of that, like it's a corporate structure and I won't know, yeah. then I show up ready to get to know them, open to that opportunity and ready with a question that isn't like, what's your name and title? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Last night when I met, met that guy, AJ, for the first time that was at our dinner, yeah, I, I did not ask him, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Who do you work for? Mm-hmm. Right now, we talked for probably an hour and a half last night. And I don't know what he does. I don't <laughs> know his job title. That's pretty cool. Cause I know the guy and he does a pretty impressive thing so that both you and he decided not to go that he could have dropped uh, his resume and be very impressive. So, yeah. but I set the stage with him from the beginning. 
because I'm in this one-to-one and I really want to care about this person, if there's something from my life that might serve him, then, and it's ever going to get transmitted, he's, we're going to have to build some sort of a connection. And so I started building the bridge towards him in the beginning of the conversation saying, Hey, do me a favor before, like, as we introduce each other, do me a favor and don't tell me a canned networking answer to this, but like, tell me something about yourself. Maybe something you wouldn't tell somebody else. Mm-hmm. The minute I I said that, it's interesting. He started here, then he went there. And then before you know it, probably 10 minutes into our interactions, he shares something and he goes, yeah, I don't know that I've told many people that ever. Wow. And I went, thank you. Yeah. And at that point, I know the bridge has been built. You see, I can only bridge the, build the bridge so far across. Yeah, yeah. You can handle your side of the river, but, but then it's- But your audience has to meet you in the story. They have to meet you in the communication. They have to meet you in the connection. That's good. Okay. And so, so one-to-one, get to know so one-to-one, start by trying to understand them, having something, and then try to figure out what, what might be their expectations. So somebody taught me this a long time ago and, and I've used it hundreds of times and it really works. Even if I know the person and we have a planned meeting, I'll sit down and I'll say, so what are your, what are your thoughts and expectations for this? Just so we're on the same page. Yeah. Right. What do you hope to get out of this? They'll tell you what they want. Yeah. Just ask. It's you're right. Rather than sit around and trying to do all this uh, mind games to get in their head and guess. In fact, and on my experience, I do this too. Um, cause I, you know, a lot of uh, coaching and, and clients and strategy sessions and all these things. And it's just a discipline now, like, okay, here's, here's what I think we talked about, but like, what, what do you think this meeting's about? What are we supposed to do here? Like if this works, how will we know if it's one of my all time favorite questions, how will you know if this has been successful? Right. Um, right. you can ask it in, in different wording than that kind of formal phrasing, but Yes, 100%. That has been one of the significant keys to actually having real impact and influence when I do my work is just dadgum ask them, what do you actually want to see happen here? And then, okay, well, let's let's do our best to make that happen. You have, I'll put it this way. You have a lot higher chance of actually meeting their success criteria if you know what the smack it is. Um, well, I, and I, there's a, I'm going to throw it back to Pathways to Life. I mean, there's something that we've divided that sort of divided and conquered through words and messages to finally get the root. And it's simply this phrase we often approach with, we don't want to assume we know what you need. Mm. So many times we go to talk to an audience. We assume I'm the expert. I'm the one that got hired to speak here, or I have the job title that puts me over you or whatever. And you could learn a lot from me. And that belief structure already puts you on a level that looks down on them. Yeah. Well, and, and I, so I play with this because sometimes, right. I am the guy, a lot of times I'm the guy they pay and they tell me, Hey, what you talk, we, we need to hear this particular insider, you know, how to do this part of a company or whatever the case is. Right. So I, I don't want to deny that I may have some useful tools inside. Here's something that might be helpful to you, but, but it's interesting. Like it's not an either, or it's not like if because I, I think this is where I've been in the past, or maybe it's some parts only for me. It's like, oh, if I if I acknowledge they have stuff to teach me, well, then I have to discount everything I've done. And like, no, 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 it's not either or. You can own own your own story. We just talked about this last episode, right? I can own this is what God's done in me and who I am, and I've got something valuable to offer. But you are also an equal participant in this exchange, and you have value to offer, and maybe. 
I'm on stage, so I'll do 99% of the talking, but but we can have an, an emotional interaction, a human exchange here as two equals. And, and two equals doesn't mean, because I think this is where I've pendulum swung in the past, oh, they're awesome, I must not be awesome, right? Like two, nope, now you've created, we're still not looking eye to eye. So you don't have to deny your value in order to acknowledge their value. Well, and I want, I want to be like, I want to be like a bus that has a label on it going to a specific location yeah. that they bought a ticket for. They've been waiting for that bus and that bus Good. pulls up, but they've still got to get on the bus and stay on the bus. And they have to, in essence, agree in advance. I want to go to that location, right? That's like, right. And like, so I've got to be clear about yes. where we're going. And this yeah, is what Brene Brown said about clear as kind. This is a great word picture because there have been times like I've in the past when like, I know where you need to go. Um, get all on my bus and like, wait, where are we going? And I don't want to go there. And like trying to grab random people and all take them to the location I'm guessing where they want to go versus saying in advance. Like, I think we're headed to this location. Anyone who wants to go to this location, here's your opportunity. The partnership of that is wholly different than grabbing random people, shoving them on the bus and saying, no, no, trust me. I know where you need to go. Um, yeah, it, it's it's subtle, but it's real. Okay. And by the way, that's a good word picture. So give me and some let's, let's Let's break that down, though, for this reason. If we're going to use that word picture, and I think most people have seen a bus before, and yeah. that's why it works to a lot of audiences. But here's the deal. What if a bus pulls up and it doesn't have that label? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a bus number and nothing says where it's going. Yes. That person might get on that bus out of desperation to get where they think they want to go yes. and end yes. up in the wrong place. Yes. And, and you could blame them for getting on the wrong bus, Ooh. but they're probably going to blame you for not letting them know where you were going. Yeah. And so let's get out of the blame. Let's be clear about it. First and foremost, when storytelling or communicating a message anywhere, tell them where you're going to take them. Good. Then get them on the bus. And while you're there, remind them and show them where you're going. Mm -hmm. And then whenever you get there, be like the bus driver. We're at this stop. This yeah. is where I took you. Exactly. Here, here's where we took. I took you. We're there now. Yeah, it, you're right. So one of my mentors told me a long time ago, Scott, he said, tell him what you're going to tell him mm -hmm. and tell it to him and then tell him what you told him. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. that simple. That, and it's that profound. And listen, can we be honest? As you said, we're, we're not dumb people, but, but man, our memories are not what we think they are, right? Like the ability to, we started this off. We want them to get this story so well that they will be able to tell it in their own words that doesn't happen with a single one nugget drop and roll. That's enough. No matter how cool that one nugget drop is, right? You, we got to prep them. We got to do it. And then we got to recap for them. And it makes, I need it, right? It, it, be transparent, right? I have a pretty good academic memory as one of the gifts I was born with. Didn't earn sure. it. Okay? And I need multiple repetitions. Um, so even if your folks say, where well, were the smart people? Like, yeah, the smart people need, well, sometimes we're even more distracted than the other people, right? So all I have to say, yeah, man, don't, don't, oh, this for me, but don't overthink it. Don't, don't over, like, no, no, no. This is a group of business folks. You, you can't re-summarize, like, man, the executive summary, the warning before, like, it's, it's super powerful. Well, and I think the other thing is some of us aren't honest, even with ourselves about where we want to take them. Oh. And so here's the deal. Clear is kind. If I need to fire you, yeah, 
I need to sit down and make it very, very clear that you have not met certain metrics or some right. things have happened. Right, right. And where we where we land today is this is sort of the the moment where we're going to have to part ways. Yeah. And if I say that while constantly manipulating the conversation to make sure you know this is your fault, mm. or I manipulate the conversation to leave on good terms and be friends and you don't feel hurt at all. Yeah. You weren't kind to that person. That's right. So when I communicate a message, I want to make sure that I'm really clear on it. First, honest with myself about what the message is completely built on what they need to hear, what would benefit my true audience. Yeah. And then be really, really honest on the transmission of that message mm -hmm. and then reflective at the end of it. What did you hear me say? Yeah. I right. And this is, this is huge for any kind of talk and, and coaching sessions. I often go, what were three key takeaways or what was the one thing you remember? Mm -hmm. And so this is good. You can get them to help you recap if, especially if you're in a conversation, right? Harder to do that in a, a crowd, but with a room, I say that. And I even do that with crowds. I'll say things like, all right, well, I want you to turn to your neighbor and share one idea. I mean, yeah, I'm in a big conference stadium, right? But like, you can still have people turn and say, Hey, turn, turn to two or three people around you and say, Hey, what's the, what's one of the biggest insights or what are you going to do based on what we just talked about here? And they don't have to tell me, but they can still process it themselves. So it's funny. I say that and you can't do it in crowds. And I realize I actually do that all the time in crowds. Um, right. By the way, I'm reading a book right now that there's a, a question in it. I'm rereading. This is a whole tangent. For the first time in like 25 years, I'm rereading books. I never do that. I have a pretty good academic memory. I generally remember ideas. And I've like collected my list of great books of all time. And this is a whole other conversation. I finally decided, dang it, I'm going to go reread all these and see if they're still good. And if they're that good, like maybe there's stuff I got to get in them again. It might just be good for me. And honestly, I was also getting bored. I was reading a lot of like three out of five star books, like ah, <laughs> wasting my time on this crap. Well, maybe I should just go read the, the greats again. So one of yeah. those is Crucial Conversations, which mm -hmm. uh, you read Crucial Conversations? Yes. Yeah. It's, okay. So brilliant. And they're saying one of the things you do, the to how do I make this mental shift? Like, how do I be honest with what I really want and see them? And one of the questions they say, you got to ask yourself, the moment flares, the stakes rise, emotions kick in, and you're like, oh, snap, I'm in a Crucial Conversation. How do you how do you not run off the rails and, and go like, ah, oh, crap, man, I, suddenly I was the jerk or I, I, I was too afraid to tell them. And they said, the question you ask is, what do I really want now? Or, or mm. what do I really want most? Right? right. Like, and, and in the short term, sometimes like what I really want is I want him to admit I was right, right? Like I want vindication. Like what do I really want? Actually, I want a really good relationship with him. I mean, like what do I want most more? Yes. I want vindication. I mean, I do want sometimes, right. Maybe with my wife, right. We're arguing. I want her to admit that I was right about whether it was, you know, two miles or three miles, right. What do I <laughs> want most? I want to have a great relationship with my wife more than I want to admit that I got the, the mileage guess correct. Right. I mean, this is stupid stuff we argue about. But um, that point that you said, what do you want most is yes. the work on the front end of your audience too. Yes, what do they yes. want most? Yes. And so right. this like last episode, you're processing that. And then if you catch it, cause I still catch myself going off the rails again and I have to like mid conversation be like, crap, what do I want most here? What do I really want? Okay. Now I'm seeing them. I'm reminding, I'm honest about what I'm after in this moment. And so okay, let me do this before we move to the next stage. 
that bus word picture, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm pulling meta out of our, our content to like evaluating our content. Yeah. Um, that's powerful, right? Like that's, that's a good vivid example of a, of a word picture that communicates a lot more than just basic content. Like that's going to stick. I'm probably going to be using that again. When I talk to other folks about communication skills, like that's, do you have, cause you do this, like, I mean, just give us some random ones. Um, like, like when you talk about your, to the to high schools, what's one of the word pictures in some of those talks for high schoolers or, or maybe a great one, a great one I use all the time. Them the the letter right like i i don't want to oh yeah <laughs> yeah 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 like there's a couple of good ones give us some just like like zoom out give us just some examples to spark our creative thinking here what are well, let me first say with full disclosure it is it is the way my mind works oh good and i and i want to make sure that people understand that it is okay if it is hard for you to think of an illustration mm. and if you try too hard you'll come up with a crappy one <laughs> the best ones come in the moment because you're in the moment mm. because you're so connected to your audience and your message that something arises in you that so connects the two of you, you know, it's important for this moment. And that's why I say practice. If you've got to do a speech or a talk practice yeah. with somebody you care about yeah. and, and get some reps in and don't just read your script. Yes. hundred percent. Leave your script, live your script, expose your script in that moment of practice yeah. so that something possibly might come up. That's even better. Yes. And then so be fun. ready during your talk for something better to come out and yes. don't put the brakes on. So if we get really tactical. Like let's drill way in. We're zooming yeah. out. We're zooming in. Right. Um, when I'm prepping new content, have not done something before, the first time on my own, I'm not in a crowd. I'm putting my materials together. I dump all my stuff. Here's my ideas. And I sort them into something of a flow. And then I usually will write out word for word, like just get a word doc out or something. And I'll just write out word for word. Here's how I would say it. Right. I never use that when I actually present. Please it don't. It just forces me to think <laughs> through the transitions. How am I going to say this? And what is the, because sometimes now when I go to speak though, what I typically have is bullet points. Right. I will go back and I'll trim it down, highlight circle, and I'll just have like the bus analogy and think about where you're going and tell them before, tell them, tell them after, right? Like, and I'll write bullet points out and I'll let the wording feel more natural and it gives me room to be creative. So, so I would say there's, I need the value of making me at least once think through the wording, but then when I'm actually practicing with people or in a crowd, man, I never use a script because, because it guarantees I miss these moments. It, I think it makes the human connection harder. Well, and here's the thing. You don't leave, you don't leave margin for the cool things that happen in the moments. And every I've said, I would say this, I've, I give hundreds of talks every year into lots of different environments. But one of my primaries that I probably do the most reps in is 14 year old high school students. All right. They have the shortest attention span say, in history. Good luck with that. I mean, and yet, and they're usually forced to be there, right? It's not, yeah, like they didn't buy a ticket. ticket and picked you like so they, they're, they're coming to a classroom and because I teach in, in public and private schools. Yeah. They have to go to this class in some cases, especially the first time I'm there, they didn't even get to pick anything about it. They're just surprised yeah. by the one-eyed bearded dude in their room. And they're wondering what's going on. Like who invited the pirate man? Right. Right. And so then I immediately have to do something to try and grab them. Now they're going to be curious because of how I look, Yeah. but I don't want curiosity. I want buy-in. And so here's the deal. 
back to the bus analogy, because I love to pick one when you know it came up, drill it down, test out your analogy or your word picture. Does it fully extrapolate to, to prove your point? And the bus does very simply like this. Yeah. When, if somebody bought a ticket to go somewhere, they do not care who the bus driver is. <laughs> they care about the destination. Yeah. So be clear about the destination and stop making it about you. Yeah. Number two, open the door and tell them where you're going. Mm. I don't care if the signs on it. I don't care if they bought a ticket. I don't care if, if they're, if, if there's a big billboard that has your name, Yeah. say today, we're going to talk about communication strategies to help you have better connections with the people you care about. Yes. Yes. Or whatever. Right, like exactly. tell them, boom, the is. Yep. this is what we're going to talk about and then start talking about it, but don't go straight into tactical. Here's, here's why, because the initial experience will, will paint or, or inform the total experience. For example, when somebody gets on a bus, if you do not welcome them, they will sit differently and experience the bus ride differently. Yeah. But if the bus driver, as they enter on the bus, okay, again, you open the door, you told them where they're going, they agreed and they stepped into the bus. This is where I want to go. If that bus driver says, Hey, how are you? Welcome. Or something from a really genuine place, they will feel glad, more glad to be on that bus. Yeah. I, it's, it's the, I see you moment, right? That's right. That's right. You welcome exactly. to the bus. Yeah, and that's yeah. seeing and acknowledging your audience and their value, right? And then they go sit down on the bus. What they don't want is they don't want you on the microphone consistently saying, still going to San Jose, a couple miles from San Jose. We're almost to San Jose. If, if you just, guys, remember, we're in San Jose. We're going, if you're on this bus, you should be in San. They don't want that. Yeah. They want some margin. They want some room. They want to experience and have some, some, some room in a talk. You need to leave room in your talk. If you go all super tactical, we're going here. Here's how you get there. That's what you do. We're going there. Did you hear me? That's where we're going. Yeah. It's too heavy handed. You want to look out like a person relevant right nearby. You want to look out the window and say, Hey, did you know this interesting thing about what we're driving past? And you know, Hey, check out this bit. It's related to where we're at, right? You're not just suddenly random, tell them stories about, uh, you know, Calgary when you're in San Jose, like who cares, buddy. But, but you're right. We don't, there's a spine to it is my experience, but like, Hey, I can branch off of it. As long as I stay one degree removed and come back and one, here's a related idea and come back. And it creates some variety and interest. Um, but it's also like when you're building good copy or a good piece of graphic design in a flyer, you want white space. You need margin. Yeah. You don't fill it with everything. Don't fill the page to the edge. Don't overload it with words. Say it, let it be. And and if you, if, because if you put too many priorities, then you have none, right? In fact, this gets to one of my favorite communication techniques. And it's, it's like the opposite of what most people think. My experience is the most powerful moments of my talks are not when I'm speaking. It mm. is the two to four second silence after I say a powerful thing. So we didn't get to the pregnant pause yet, but you just set me up. The pregnant pause, it is a moment for the subconscious brain to digest yes. and to somebody to, for something to sink in. Yes. It also shows a massive amount of confidence 
Yeah. Because people are so afraid of silence, but silence can be an incredible friend in sales and marketing and a lot of things. Silence is a tool when you know how to use it correctly. It's a super tool. It's so it, it really is powerful. And then I that's, think the that's thing an is example that margin you're talking about. It is. So if somebody's on listen, if you get on a bus and you want a tour of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You want that guy to point out everything as you pass it, but you don't want to to be overwhelmed by the sound of his voice the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. You want him to go, and that's where you know Elvis ate breakfast or something, yeah. and then shut up for a second and let let my brain observe that place that Elvis ate breakfast. Yeah. By the way, I do a tour of Israel. This is a whole other conversation. You know about this. We've talked about it, but. Um, one of the different reasons I do a tour different than just like, Hey, go join a, a standard tour is most standard tours. They put an earpiece in and they literally talk nonstop for 10 to 12 right. hours. And we go to a spot and there is like, here's the spot, here's the story, here's the insight, here's some things to chew on. And then at every major stop, I include a 15 to 20 minute get alone. Here's a journal process. What the smack just happened because I mean, there's a, thousands of years of history. We can't get it all done in two weeks, let alone, mm-hmm. you know, 12 hours, but even though, yeah, it, it, the powerful moments are not what I say. It's after what we say when they process it, it sinks in. So anyway, speaking of we're we're just about out of time. Let me end with this though. Yeah. Um, I, give me two or three other word pictures and we'll just end them with some brain candy for folks like, Ooh, that's interesting. What about this? What about this? Um, well, I, I would say that it's not about me bringing up a word picture for you. It's about you beginning to cult- cultivate the ability to access your own word pictures. And okay. this goes back to last, the last lesson, the honesty and vulnerability with which I access my heart when I'm communicating with you will allow me to bring up all of my incredible wisdoms and intellect. You see, every single person is brilliant. You are the smartest, most amazing person in you, in your story, living your story. Yeah. And there's things you've learned from it that you can offer in any environment. Everybody has a story to tell. Everybody can be a good storyteller. This is so good, man. I love it that you're not just, uh, cause you can, I know you, I've heard you do these things, right? But, but what this brings us back, maybe this is the perfect ending. What this brings us back to is if you have done the work of truly owning your own story out of your life are dozens, hundreds potentially of meaningful examples and word pictures that others, not maybe everyone, but many will connect to. Like I walked through this. Here's what it looked like for me. Here's how it felt for me. Here's the word pictures that resonate with me. And that is the 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 fishing ground that's the the maybe the mine the gold mine that we can dig into to say the word pictures are there it's your own story and if you've done that if you if you if you've seen you know the man in the mirror and and like own what your your process then that will enable each of us to share our own deeply authentic powerful word pictures that will invite somebody to connect with us all right and then bonus tip don't overcomplicate it because you think it needs to be less is more. It always has been. And it always will be word creation is not art. Editing is art. Uh, And so at the end of the day, when you asked, when you made that statement earlier about what do you really want? Yeah. Okay. Just, just really get it down to this science. What do I really want from this? What will my audience really want? They become the priority. If my wants don't align with their wants, then I need to reposition myself Good, because if I really want what they want, 
then I will make sure that I honor this moment. And I'll be really clear from the beginning that that's where this bus is going. I don't want anybody on my bus who's going to be pissed that I took them to that place. Right. Right. So don't say you're going somewhere you're not going to go. Really know this is the message I have for you. I know this is an important message to you because I've called my audience. I've thought about my audience so much. And I, I sometimes will even give permission in a talk that if this isn't for you, Mm. that's okay. Because there's always going to be somebody in an audience, let's say big group environment that doesn't feel you. We're listen, except that you're not for everybody. Yeah. Except that every single person has an audience that they're most suited to but there are going to be environments where you've got to talk to all of them. And so what I try to do in those moments is I don't speak to my favorite audience in the room. Mm. I speak to the audience that probably knows me the least Mm -hmm. that I want to surprise with how much I care about them. Oh, that's good, man. And so if I can show an incredible curiosity and value and care for that person who who happened to get on my bus, Yeah, right. who hates riding the bus. Right. They don't like when they're being talked to by the bus driver because they're a hyper introvert. Mm-hmm. And they just can't wait to get off the bus. If I can give them an experience that made them go, that wasn't so bad after all. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked that. Then I've added value to their life. And all of your talks, all of your communications really should center on that. Are you really adding value How do you know what does a win look like and how will you follow up to be sure you were right? Mic drop. I mean, that, there it is, man. Dude, thanks. (laughs) Um, Awesome. Hey, folks want to connect with you. I'll put the links here in the show notes, but like, yeah, man, LinkedIn, Instagram. uh, If somebody, here's the thing I I've, I've really filtered a lot of ways people can connect with me. There's a lot of people I'd I'd love to be able to serve, but there's some people I'm called to serve. And so so much of what I do is I, I I would like somebody to send an email. You can, you can email me at J E F F at deepwaters.coach, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm the only one eyed Jeff Knapp you'll find probably. Um, I'm also on Instagram. If you follow K N A P P just for wondering how to spell that. Yeah. Yep. If you're looking for it, it's like you're sleepy and you're tired, but there's a K at the beginning for some weird reason and an extra P just for, you know, just for fun. Two, two silent letters. Why not? Right. Yeah. You could find my Instagram pages. You could all that stuff. But the, the most important thing to do is if something about this resonated with you, um, first I would say, um, if you think I can help you, if something about this, you are just certain you, you are a person for me, mm-hmm. then, then email me for sure. Jeff yeah. at deepwaters.coach. But maybe it's just pointing out that there's more in you and it's not about me. It's just an awakening in you that, that you've got somebody probably in your circles that you need to tell a story to yeah. or tell that you've been lying to or get really honest with or ask a courageous question. Yeah. Let me just vouch. I, I not only know Jeff, I know a lot of clients have worked with Jeff. Um, life-changing as individuals and as professionals. So highly recommended. Thank Thanks you. again, brother. Um, looking forward to more dinners and more conversations, man. My honor, my pleasure. Thank you so much. See you, buddy. Later. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on life and leadership, you might want to sign up for my weekly newsletter at www.scottwozniak.com upgrade. 
That's S-C-O-T-T-W-O-Z-N-I-A-K dot com slash upgrade. You'll get a cool quote, a deep thought, and a recommendation for something that I use and love. It's not long and it should be fun. The theme is similar to this podcast, but it's not the same content. And if you're a leader who wants to build a legendary brand, you can check out my company's website to learn how we can help at www.swazconsulting.com. That's S-W-O-Z consulting.com. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine.